Thank you so much. That was beautiful, just beautiful. Thank you. What a glorious God He is. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans. We're in a study that I entitled, as you see on the screen, The Unseen World. This is part five of that. And uh, we've looked at God Himself as part of the unseen world. We've looked at angels created, of course, created beings that are part of God's world, and maybe there's some in this room today. They're unseen to us. And we talked about the fall of Satan, who was one of those angels, Lucifer, and he fell, and, and uh, now is Satan, the devil. And for the last two weeks, we've looked at Satan and his demons, and uh, this morning, I want to continue the thought from last week on the sins that are ravaging our country. And uh, I want to continue on that thought. Now, this Romans chapter 1 is one of those great passages, and you could spend months and months preaching just from what I'm going to read over today, and so I've, I'm not intending to... to uh, spend much time there except to give us the, the uh, setting in which we find our text verses. Well, with that said, look at uh, chapter 1, and, and let's start at verse 16. Let's read verse 16. Paul, of course, speaking to the church at Rome. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I just like to read that, don't you? I hope you're not ashamed. We live in a culture that tries to shame Christians for what they believe. Don't be ashamed of your Lord. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, his message. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. Amen to that. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. Now jump to verse 20. For the invisible, there's our word we've been using, unseen world, an invisible world to us. For the invisible things of him, that's God the creator, from the uh, creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That is, mankind is without excuse. Two more verses, verse 26. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, or sinful passions. For even their women did change the natural use that is the natural use of the body you tell from the context into that which is against nature and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burn in their lust one towards another men with men working that which is unseemly unseemly means shameful and uh and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error. The word error means the wrong, the wrong that they're doing. And receiving uh, the recompense, receiving the reward for, for, their, for their sin. Pray with me. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the beautiful singing. You are a glorious, glorious God. We give you praise. Lord Jesus, help us to see and understand today your word those things around us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On your screen you see 
some people who are marching in Washington. Nothing strange about that. People march in Washington all the time. But this is a group you'll never hear about on, in the liberal media. This is uh, the Freedom March. You see their website down at the bottom. These are reformed uh, uh, LB, LGBT people. Are, they're people from the gay community, transgenders, and so forth, who have come to Christ and have been delivered and set free from that sin. And uh, they have this uh, fellowship and they try to reach uh, other people in the LGBT community. And this, this particular uh, march here took place in July of this year. The article says that uh, they, these are ex-LGBT and now they've become Christians and they are sharing the message of Christ at this gathering. They had worship and testimonies and prayer and of course the march itself. The man who founded it, Jeffrey McCall, himself was a transgender who has come to know Christ and his unfailing love and the Lord Jesus set him free. And uh, so their message is the gospel. Jesus died for them and wants them to have new life and be liberated from the LGBT lifestyle. Now that's the, that's the words of the founder and so forth. He said again, I, the reason I started the Freedom March was because I felt like all of these stories of people that left the LGBT lifestyle behind needed to be heard. And so they've been redeemed. You don't hear that on TV, do you? Redeemed out of the sinful uh, lifestyle, the gay lifestyle. They, in their testimonies, they talked about their tragic past in the LGBT. And then he says, I really want to send the message to the LGBT community that there is hope. One of, their, one of them speaking said, hey... We were in the same lifestyle you're in, and we came out, and, uh, and now we're following Christ, and there's a whole nother life, as he put it, a whole nother life, a life that we didn't know was possible, a life of joy, peace, and freedom, end of quote. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Glorious. We praise the Lord for those who are coming out of this sinful lifestyle. Now, just to recap, just a little bit from our study about Satan and the devil, here's some things we learned about Satan last week. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. Jesus said that he's a liar from the beginning, and he's the author of all lies. So when you and I tell a lie, Satan's behind it. And uh, he's a deceiver and a liar. And then he came to steal and kill and destroy, destroy our homes and our, and our families, to steal away our joy and peace, and then to devour like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And then he has a plan we saw last week. That word means a military stratagem, that word wiles in that text. In other words, how is he going to do deceive and kill, destroy and steal and devour? Because he has 
a plan to steal and kill and destroy in our lives. He's got a plan for me and you. I mean, his plan is to destroy us with all of his host, his generals. And remember the word plural that we looked at there in um, chapter 6 of Ephesians. He, there's a host of rulers of darkness, not just Satan, but uh, he has his generals and lieutenants and captains and so forth. And they're out to destroy us. One, one more verse we didn't look at last week, we didn't get through last week. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, there's Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So he blinds the eyes of those who are lost, trying to keep them from coming to Christ. Now we see these truths in the background of the passage we're going to look at here. Uh, and we see Satan keeping people from Christ and promoting uh, worship other than God himself. And uh, in this great passage. Well, with that said, look at, uh, back to verse 16. And he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And, uh, and then in verse 17 he says, And therein is the righteousness of God revealed. In the gospel is the righteousness uh, of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. The word Godhead there refers to his deity. It refers to his divine nature. So in creation, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. And in creation, mankind from every uh, continent, from every people group, can know there is a God. We can know something about God just from creation. You know, this year the leaves have been... Exceptionally pretty, hadn't they? Just beautiful. And I, I just thought about the fall leaves. What can we know from God? We, we know that, that uh, he is uh, all-powerful to put trees and all around the world and plants and, and uh, make them so beautiful. We know also that he loves beauty. And we know he loves us because he, he put them here for us. That's the reason they're here, with us. So we can see them and enjoy his beauty and think of him and, and his creation. And uh, so we know those things about God from his creation, many other things. Now it says it, it, the knowledge is in them. Hold your place there and just flip over to chapter 2 for a second. Two verses here. In verse 14, for when the Gentiles, that's Gentiles is who we are, everybody who's not a Jew, for when the Gentiles which have not the law, that is the law of Moses, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law 
written in their hearts. So mankind not only has the creation to see God in, but he has a conscience. There is a, there is a consciousness of the knowledge of God. So it is the law written in their hearts, continued reading there, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Now, the, this law, we're, this revelation we're talking about here is called, uh, if you were looking at a theological book, they would call it general revelation. Some people would call it natural revelation. Both terms are correct and good. General revelation, what we can see in nature and what we sense in our heart. You know, even people who have never had the Word of God they sense in their heart things are, are sinful, things, some things are wrong. Now, they may, they may override that feeling of their conscience, and, and of course they do. And eventually, you don't feel those things are wrong anymore because you, you've uh, defected your conscience. And then, there, if you're again looking at a theological book, then it would talk about uh, special revelation. Special revelation is God's Word, the Bible. And uh, we get to know the details. We get to know that He created. We see creation and we know there is a God. But in special revelation, we see how that happened, that He created everything you see in six days, flung the stars into the corner, corners of the universe, and that uh, He created man. Adam and Eve. So that's in special revelation. Now, go back to our text, and we're looking at verse 21 now. Uh, the last part of verse 20 says, So they are without excuse. That is, mankind's without excuse. You say, well, they haven't heard the gospel, though. But they could at least respond to what light they have. The light of creation, the light of conscience. That is, the light of general revelation. And I believe this, and I found a few uh, scholars and theologians that believe it too, that when people respond correctly to the revelation they have, God will make sure somehow the gospel comes to them. We see that, we see that in the book of Acts on several occasions, with Cornelius' home as one of them. But that's a subject for another day. Verse 21 says, because that when they knew God. Now, this is lost humanity. So how can we say lost humanity knew God? And there's cycles in this. Every generation really goes through the cycles that we're going to see in this passage. And so they knew God. Well, they knew God in the way that has just been explained. They knew God through general revelation. They knew there was a God and that He was a creator and that He was good and, and their conscience told them there was things they shouldn't do and so forth and they knew God in that sense. So when they knew God, they glorified Him not. Neither were thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts was darkened. Professing themselves to become wise, they became as fools. We see in this passage not only ancient civilizations and mankind, but we see it in our day too, don't we? And the cycle continues on with every generation. And they change the glory of the incorruptible God unto the image made like unto corruptible man. 
and the birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. God gave them up. It could be translated, God gave them over. Matter of fact, that's the way it's translated in verse 28. Three times God says he gave them up. That is, mankind. Now sometimes when we read that casually, we might think God gave up on them. And they can't come to Christ or can't be saved. That's not the case. The, the idea of giving up here is giving over. God gave them over to what they wanted to do. They just kept wanting to sin and sin and sin, and finally God gave them over to that sin. Last night, Karen and I laid down to go to bed, and just two houses over from us have a, a group of dogs, and those dogs started barking. And man, we couldn't sleep. And uh, we, you know, we were talking, so we said, yeah, it's probably a deer. We had a lot of deer in our neighborhood. And probably a deer. We wish that deer would run away. And uh, they just kept barking and barking. Imagine yourself if you had a, a big, strong dog and you had him on a leash or a harness. And suppose you knew that in the woods there was a lion loose. And you didn't want your dog to get mauled by that lion. But he just kept barking. He just kept pulling. He kept pulling on that harness until he nearly pulled you down or broke the harness. He just kept pulling and pulling. And finally, you turned him loose. You let him go. Maybe he gets mauled by that lion. And when he comes back, you'll love him and put some salve on his torn places and mend him up and mend him back to health. God doesn't give up on these people. He just gives them over. They're pulling, they're pulling on the harness. They want to do their own way. And finally God lets them. And Satan, the roaring lion, tears them apart. And, and if they'll come back, he'll put salve and, and he'll give healing and recovery. So he gave them over to their uncleanliness. Again, verse 4. And through the lust of their own hearts, that is, that's what he gave them over to, what they wanted so bad. Verse 25, they changed the truth of God into a lie worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Then we come to these two verses on homosexuality. For this cause, God gave them up or gave them over into vile affections. Again, sinful passions for even the women did change the natural use of the body, of course, unto that which is against nature. And likewise also the men living, uh, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one towards another, even, with, even men with men, working that which is unseemly or indecent, shameful, and receiving in themselves that recompense of the air of uh, that which was meat or which was appropriate they went the wrong way. And when you go the wrong way, there are some consequences to pay. That's what it's saying here. Uh, they got what was fitting because they went the wrong way. And then we go beyond that, verse 27. 
And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. There's that same phrase, but this time it's translated over. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. That mind, again, doesn't mean they can't be saved. It, it means uh, they, they, uh, their mind is not uh, attuned to the, to the things that are true. And uh, they can't judge between right and wrong and light and darkness and so forth. And then he gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient or not appropriate. Being filled with all... Now again, this is mankind, lost mankind. He's not just talking about homosexuality. He's talking about sin in general. But within that, he names the homosexuality. So he begins to name others now, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication. Fornication, is uh, the root word there is uh, uh, pornos. It's where we get our word pornography. Pornos. Uh, this word uh, fornication is used 44 times in the Scripture. And then fornication and wickedness, covetousness, uh, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceits, malignity, uh, and whispers. Secret slanderers, that can be translated. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful and proud and boasters, inventor of evil things and disobedient to parents. Right in the middle of all those sins, he puts disobedient to parents. That characterizes our age, doesn't it? Really, all these things characterize our age. With, uh, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, uh, Implacable, which means untruthful. It's almost impossible for them to be truthful. Uh, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. They encourage other people too to participate in their sin. Now, I read that long passage so that we could get the context in which we find these comments about homosexuality. Look back at your screen for a moment, and uh, this is what it says about verse 27 in the New King James. It's not much different, but slight variation. It says, men were leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts uh, for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the heir which was due. Here's another one, another translation, the NIV. Men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust uh, for one another, men committing indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. So, we have this passage that condemns homosexuality. Now look at this other slide I put together for Homosexuality is, is a sin clearly condemned in Scripture. Here's some other places. Genesis 19, of course, tells about Sodom and Gomorrah and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, in the gay community, in the uh, LGBT community, and by the way, I'm using those phrases interchangeably, the LGBT community, the gay community. Uh, within that community, 
there are those who reject the idea of God altogether. And, of course, most all of them reject traditional Christianity altogether. But there are some gay churches, you know. And so there are some people within the gay community that want to embrace Christianity as well. And some of them just go to liberal churches where uh, they think everything's okay. But, but others of them go to actual, you know, gay churches where the pastor's gay and most everybody there's gay and so forth. Uh, now, those people would say about chapter 19 that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah not because they were homosexual, but because they had developed into violence. When you, when you remember the, the men of the city were going to commit violence against those two angels that they thought were just humans. And, uh, and so they say they destroyed, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their violence. Well, I think there's some good thought there. Because homosexuality was everywhere along human history. And it was only here that God destroyed these towns. So the homosexuality had grown into violence and so forth. And so there's some good thought behind that. But in Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 22, that's in the law of Moses and and it says, if a man lays with a man, it is an abomination. That is, it is despicable, detestable when a man lays with a man. Now there, it doesn't say a thing about violence, just the homosexual act. And God says, it is deplorable. So, God condemns it. Then we come to... The New Testament, we've just read that passage in Romans. In a moment, we're going to read the passage in 1 Corinthians. And then in 1 Timothy and Jude, you might, you, when you are looking at those verses, you might want to get a, uh, maybe a newer translation and compare them and so forth to get the idea of homosexuality in those two passages because they, they use terms like abusing themselves with mankind and so forth, uh, views like that. So, in these places, God clearly condemns. Now, here's another thought I want to share with you. Fornication, that we read a minute ago, the root word is porno, pornos. And uh, this word is, is uh, equals, as, as you see, sexual immorality. This is a wide-scoping word, and it includes all immorality. The Bible says that sex is to be between one man and one woman in a marriage relationship. Anything outside of that, premarital sex, extramarital sex, homosexual sex, any sex outside of one man, one woman in a marriage relationship is fornication. So fornication means sexual immorality. And uh, it is used 44 times in the King James Version, the word fornication. So that means not only do we have these verses that speak particularly about homosexuality, but knowing that God condemns homosexuality, then we know that it, it is grouped in with those other sexual sins in, in the word fornication. So every time the word fornication is used and denounced and forbidden, uh, it's, uh, it's including homosexuality. And so, we, uh, we have this condemnation. 
Now, I want us to think about something together for a moment. What should our response be to the people in the gay community? Should we, should we hate them? Absolutely not. That's what they accuse Christians of, though, isn't it? And maybe some believers do have hatred in their heart. But we, we should not hate them, but we should love them. We should, uh, we should have the same attitude God has. God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. We should love the people, but hate the sin. And that's, uh, that should be the biblical stance for God's people. Now, I'm not saying everything the gay community does is bad. I think a gay person can be a good citizen. They can be a good neighbor. They can be a good employer. Uh, employer. They can be a good employee. They can do good things and nice things and so forth. But their lifestyle is sinful. And God forbids it. Now, let's look at one other place over here. If you, if you, excuse me just a minute. I'm still troubled with a cough. Excuse me just a minute. Watch over here. So turn in your Bibles now to that second passage we're going to look at, and that's in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And look at verse 9. It says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Don't be deceived about this. Remember, Satan is a deceiver, a liar. So, uh, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, there's that word again, nor idolaters, nor uh, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Those last, that last phrase in the word effeminate, both refer to homosexuality. Effeminate has the idea of somebody, a man, who wants to uh, look like and act like and live like a woman. And uh, abusers of themselves with mankind is, is more of a, a term for all homosexuals. And then he goes on to name some other sins. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. Revilers means... Foolish talking and abusive language. Uh, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, that would be, that'd be kind of scary for some people to read, wouldn't it? The tenses are in the, in the Greek indicate continual action. So we're not talking about somebody who just commits one of these sins. We're talking about somebody who lives in these sins. This is their lifestyle. Look at verse 11. And such were some of you. 
but. Well, I love that little word, but, don't you? Such were some of you, but ye are washed. Wow. Washed in the blood. Ye are sanctified, set apart for God, became his own. Uh, but ye are justified, that is, declared righteous in, with the imputed righteousness of Christ given over to us, and we're justified. Uh, and all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All of it through what Christ has done and the Holy Spirit bringing us to these places with conviction and so forth. And so he said to these Corinthian believers, they, some of them used to live this way. Some of them used to be adulterers and, and homosexuals and liars and cheaters and so forth. But the same is true of Christians in every generation. You get a group of Christians together. Some of us used to be this, 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 and this. But now we're washed, we're redeemed, we're sanctified, we're set apart, we're justified, saved through, through faith in Christ. Isn't that glorious? You remember the group I showed you up front? They had lived sinful lives that God condemned but they were washed sanctified justified and so we have this passage that speaks about homosexuality as well the newer translations actually use the word homosexual in verse 9 let me just show you two of those right quick this is the new king james do not be deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor homosexuals nor sodomites. So there's two phrases for the homosexuals, homosexual and sodomites. And then it says, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, that's the definition of uh, fornication, uh, the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. And of course, the last part says, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want to address for just a moment this issue that we hear, this issue that comes from pop science, pop culture. It says that gay people are born that way and they cannot help it. Well, if you couldn't help it at all, then why would God condemn it as a sin? I challenge you to do some research online and try to find where somebody who's not pop science, but real science, who find any kind of biological difference, scientific difference between a gay person and a straight person. I, I've come across an articles every now and then, but one was really a great article just some time ago from a secular university. And secular universities, of course, are pushing the far-left agenda. And, but they had did a research on trying to find something biologically different between a, a, a straight person and a gay person. And after all their research and researching the other research that's out there, the conclusion was there is absolutely no difference biologically. So people are not born gay and can't help it. Now, are they born with a tendency towards homosexuality? Well, the truth is, we're all born sinners, aren't we? 
And we all have a tendency to sin. What you have a tendency, what you're tempted with may be slightly different from what I'm tempted with. All of us are different and so forth. We have our weaknesses. So we're born with a tendency to sin. Some have a problem with lying. You see this more purely in children. Almost all children lie somewhere along the way, but some of them, man, can they ever lie. They lie about anything and everything, you know. And, uh, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't say, I'm proud of my son. He's a really good liar. Or we wouldn't say, uh, uh, I celebrate your lyingness. And, uh, and let's have a month that's set apart to celebrate all the people who are good at lying. And let's march in the streets. We'll call it, I don't know, something like Lying Pride Month or something like that, you know. Some people have trouble with cheating. Some people have trouble with stealing. Some people have trouble with violence. Yeah. If you've ever worked in the nursery much, you know that's true. You steal my doll, baby, I'll whop you upside of the head with the first thing I pick up. You know? But the same is true. We don't celebrate that. We don't say, man, you should have seen my toddler in junior church. They whacked two or three kids in there and beat them up. We teach them not to do those things because they're sinful. We teach them not to lie. And we should teach them not to follow the gay lifestyle because it's sin. Some people are born maybe with a tendency towards same sex. But that doesn't mean they should follow that and live that lifestyle any more than someone who has a tendency towards violence. And so God makes it clear in that sickness. Excuse me, in that sense. I want to give you some quick thoughts now as we close. What should we do about it? Uh, I'm going to skip the stats and headlines. Y'all listen too slow today. What should we do? I'm going to run through these quickly. No, we should know. Be vigilant, uh, 1 Peter 5, 9 says. We should know that Satan is after you and your family. Know that. Be aware of that and be and uh, be watching because of that. And then we should vote, and we should vote conservative. We should vote with, for people not because they have a big smile or a friendly disposition or they have some great uh, credentials. We should vote for people whose uh, views line up as closely as possible with biblical views. You, got, you still have a week and two days to vote, I think, or a week and several days. And then... Pray. We talked about this one as we closed last week. I'm going to skip, just skip over that. And then we should prayerfully consider homeschooling or a Christian school. Now, I've said this over the years. I think every parent has three choices. You can send your kids to a, a public school, and some people feel that's God's will. Or you can send them to a Christian school, or you can homeschool them. Karen and I chose to send ours to a Christian school. Dr. Miller and Kelly, they chose to homeschool theirs and later send them to a Christian school. 
So you've got the three choices. What, I'm not saying you should do one of the three. What I'm saying is prayerfully consider it. Seek God's will about it. And don't let finances be the bottom line. Let the bottom line be God's will. And then live Christ-like in your home. Your young people need to see real Christianity. They need to see mom and dad who are not perfect, but are bearing the image of Christ. And then warn and teach your children. Teach them. You know, we talked about illegal drugs and alcohol. As bad as illegal drugs, the devastation they're causing, alcohol causes more devastation than illegal drugs in our country. We talked about pornography, all of that last week. And then we should faithfully, you should faithfully bring your children to church. Every service, every activity. We're the only organization, the church, we're the only organization that supports what you, if you're a believer, what you want for your children. We're in this together. So bring them. Bring them to everything that's for their age group and so forth. And you come yourself to everything that's your age group so you can show them by your testimony that church is important. It's important to meet with God's people in the local church. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your forgiveness and cleansing from sin. Thank you for redeeming us. And thank you that if there are those listening to me today, either in this room or online, who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior, it's never too late. You never give up on us completely. We may have been mauled by the lion, but we can come on back home like the prodigal. And you'll give healing and recovery. So if there's someone here or online that's listening to my voice, that's never trusted Christ. My prayer is they will do so. Today is the day of salvation. They will do so before it's eternally too late. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with me, please. The words are on the screen. We're going to sing, and as we do, if you'd like to come for prayer, we invite